Ladies and gentlemen, kicking off the first stop on his world tour, our new president and prophet, Russell M. Nelson. You say you want some revelation. Well, here you go. It's gonna blow your freaking mind. Hey, welcome back, brothers and sisters. Welcome to the weekly Mormon News Roundup, where Dives and Al ruminate on the great and spacious beehive. Um, this week, we've got uh, episode 25 coming at you for September 18th, 2022. And uh, yeah, this is going to be a doozy because we're going uh, to re- we're gonna v- review the Netflix hit Sins of Our Mother, episode one. Uh, this is such a a big uh <laughs> what a big show device that uh, we can't do it in in one episode we're gonna have to do it one episode at a time because this thing is just uh really juicy um we've also got the record-breaking church of jesus christ of latter-day saints humanitarian donation to the world food program uh the fantasy general conference headlines and updates on the ap child sex abuse story and much much more so uh, glad to be back with you Dives. Hey, thanks so much for uh, uh, being a part of this uh, program. And if you want to connect with us as a listener, then head over to mormonnewsroundup.org uh, or send us an email to colub at mormonnewsroundup.org. Now, Al, I understand that you were on a vacation to uh, Wyoming with your mother-in-law. Is that right? Yep, we headed out to Kemmer, Wyoming, and uh, it that's where the first JCPenney store uh, was set up. In fact, there was uh, two JCPenney stores there at one spot. Well, I guess there was the first location and then the second location, but... Um, let me tell you, Kemmer after the summertime is kind of a ghost town. <laughs> wow. we, yeah, we, uh, we were able to go to, uh, one of the few remaining JCPenney stores in the country, um, and see some really overpriced clothes and that's about it. Um, but other than that, we were able to go around the town, see some really interesting things. I've got also uh, fossil butte out there. So uh, if you if you like rocks or fossils and stuff, then you know head out to Fossil Butte. That place was uh, really interesting. <clears throat> um, but uh, other than that, there wasn't. I mean, for it's just kind of this tiny little uh, mining community uh, that um, J.C. Penney like hopped on a train and headed out to Kemmer with uh, just enough money to start up his own shop and not even enough money for a return ticket. So he was committed. <laughs> oh. so, yeah it was okay. a, yeah it was an interesting history to to go over that town yeah, i don't think i've ever been there but it is uh somewhat close to the wyoming city of rocks if you like rocks mm-hmm. i guess you'd like wyoming right yep exactly yep <laughs> if you like rocks wyoming's a great place because there's not much else there's some antelope so saw yeah. some antelope but no 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 nothing else but just a lot of rocks oh, yeah sounds good all right. Our Mormon joke of the week, right? <clears throat> I do. I have our Mormon joke of the week. It says, you know, what what do you say when uh, Mormons are like, you know what would be fun? It doesn't matter. Uh, it, it, it's not <laughs> going to be fun, no matter what they say. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Very, very, very good. Okay. Uh, that brings us to our uh, first uh, article for this week. And this, this is a uh, Oh, you know what? This this link here seems to be uh, having a, an issue for me. Appellate court here uh, grants uh, oral arguments in the Mormon Church sexual abuse civil suit. So, mm-hmm. uh, um, so what what can can you walk us through what's going on on this particular article, Al? Yeah. Okay. So it starts off like, and let me tell you, this article. Uh, go to the show notes, click on the link. If you want to see what Paul Adams looks like, they got this excellent mugshot of him. This uh, big uh, bearded guy that uh, just 
got this stone cold gaze. It's kind of creepy to see who, you know, what this child monster looks like. Um, so the uh, LDS church has been fighting tooth and nail to not have to, um, you know, to not have to do, uh, turn over stuff, to not have to have their ward clerk uh, um, testify because, you know, that's kind of the loophole there is that the ward clerk was in on the confessions and he knew what was going on. And he also didn't report, but he's, he's not covered by priest penitent privilege. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me. The, yeah. Ahead. Well, the, the higher court here is going to allow the oral arguments in the civil suit against yeah. his ward. And we're talking specifically mm-hmm. here about that ward clerk, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. The ward clerk. It's apparently, gonna... the, mm-hmm. apparently the ward clerk, he, he was also a member of the bishopric. Is that, is that, that that's what I read there. He's also yeah. first counselor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was also first counselor in the bishopric. Uh, so, I mean, he's, he's been in those uh, leadership positions throughout uh, this whole process. And so, I mean, he's, he's privy to what has been happening on when it was happening uh, through both bishoprics. So it's, you know, the one that just breaks your heart is what happened to that little uh, baby, the six uh, month old. And, you know, the fact that they're aware of this and that they didn't, uh, they didn't report anything. It just rips my heart out. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, according to this, the, uh, the, the word clerk there, they were trying to say that you, the ward clerk, that the church's lawyers are arguing that the ward clerk shouldn't be able to be subpoenaed um, for the, because he was part of the disciplinary proceedings because Mr. Fife here, who is the ward clerk, he also served as a first counselor to one of the bishops. Mm-hmm. And therefore, clergy penitent privilege would apply to him because he was a member of the clergy. He was a member of the bishopric during this period of time. Um, that, that's, what, that's what I'm seeing here. So yeah. uh, the, the appellate court, they're, they're saying, hey, we're going to grant the oral arguments in this. We're not necessarily buying that mm-hmm. uh, the priest's penitent privilege is going to cover Mr. Fife's uh, communications because, as we yeah. discussed uh, previous times, that there's been a number of uh, times in which Mr. Adams, the sexual uh, predator here, waived his privilege. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, that, and that's kind of the, the real hinge of the argument is, OK, this this guy, if he. Uh, hadn't told anyone else if he had kept this all to himself and had just, uh, you know, kept it between him and the bishop while he was working through, fine, he's priest and privilege. He's got that to stand on. But when you're boasting about it online, posting the videos of the molestations, uh, then you really can't say, oh, well, you can't have my bishop testify because I, I had confessed to him. It's uh, it's really disgusting that they would even try to use that argument uh, when he's like, yeah, I mean, you've got this guy that's just there's no stopping him. He uh, he's he's not penitent. He's not uh, remorseful at all. He's just yeah, I uh, I messed with my kids and I you know told like-minded strangers across the internet all about it and showed them the video and they got their jollies from it too. I mean, it's a real sick uh, and twisted thing that's going on. Sure. And the church's lawyers here, they're representing the bishops and also mm-hmm. the ward clerk in this case. They're, they're representing, you know, you have the, the plaintiffs mm-hmm. who are basically on the victim side and then yeah. the church's lawyers, they're lining up against the other side. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's uh, uh, that's very troubling for a lot of people. But basically, that from what I'm reading from this particular article is that mm-hmm. there's no peace penitent privilege for this ward clerk slash uh, first counselor and mm-hmm. the bishopric for a number of reasons. So 
we're going to get to hear more of what happened behind the scenes. And in the fact, this particular article talks about the communication of transcript between Adams and uh, Mousy when they um, when mm-hmm. he was in prison. The bishop came to visit him, mm-hmm. and um, they said, uh, 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 "Paul Adams said, I promise you, promise you, Bishop, that uh, it's all out in the open. There's nothing hidden, hidden, and I'm mm-hmm. getting truly right. I'm getting right with God." And the bishop Mousy said, "Well, good." So, I mean, we're, we're learning more about this and what we're learning, obviously, is not good. Yeah, this is, you know, and it's not surprising. Bishops visit uh, uh, members of their ward who have been incarcerated all the time. Uh, it's it's part of what their uh, ecclesiastical duties are is to look after those who are in prison. But, yeah, it just doesn't look like uh, the efforts were made at all to um, what heal the damage that was done so much as just, okay, what can we do to support you? Oh my gosh. It's kind of the, the way that we're looking. It's, yeah, it's, it's and, nefarious. And as we covered last week, uh, uh, mm-hmm. we, we now know who the particular lawyer is that was mm-hmm. representing the church in, from McCurtain McConkie. It's Mr. Nelson of that mm-hmm. law firm. And, yeah. you know, when you donate money to the church, some of that money is going to go to help pay for Mr. Nelson and uh, mm-hmm. his uh, legal advice that he gave to these bishops. Um, and that legal advice was don't report child sex abuse. So, I mean, it's going to pay for the lawyers who are also currently representing those two bishops who did not report abuse. So some of your money mm-hmm. is going to, you know, uh, child yeah. sex abuse. And I saw uh, what somebody, I guess they thought it was funny on Reddit. They rewrote the uh, tithing slip to include one category, which is mm-hmm. uh, child, uh, child sex abuse uh, hush money. Yeah, so that this should actually be a new category, which is kind of sick and twisted. Um, but, I mean, it money is. is going to pay victims. Money is going to uh, these uh, law firms for uh, who are telling bishops don't report sexual abuse. That's where some of the money is going. Obviously, a lot of people have an issue with that. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, this is something that uh, the, the LDS people are, are very much aware that their tithing money goes to building temples, building uh, church houses, and the, maintain, the maintenance of those places. But maintaining the physical needs of the church also includes defending legal uh, uh, battles in court where bishops are brought in and the church uh, stands to, uh, you know, lose so this is this is where your tithing money goes to as well i mean if just because you think that it's not it doesn't make it so absolutely um now we're actually going to discuss more about where your tithing money is potentially going here later on in the show that's right um, now did you watch the uh, byu football game uh, yesterday there al did you catch that nope, not much of a football uh, fan but i did read the article this morning it's big news um the, yeah. the shoe is now on the other foot should we say? <laughs> yeah, it, uh, yeah, I guess what comes around goes around, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe the chickens are coming home to roost or yeah. not. <laughs> well, I, I, know. I, I know my chickens have come home to roost. They're uh, they're out <laughs> in the back, and I can you know hear them clucking all morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so uh, I, you know, I did. I don't watch much of the BYU. Fo- I, I am still a BYU football fan. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I guess I always will be. I didn't watch the game, but I did watch the replay. Unfortunately, they lost uh, the game to Oregon last night. And it was an away game at Oregon, mm-hmm. and this was an article that was put out by uh, thespun.com um, on uh, just yesterday by Matt Hladek, just mm-hmm. uh, actually put out just this morning. And what we have in the uh, game, there is the BYU section of the uh, 
in the Oregon Stadium there in, uh, what is that, Eugene, Oregon, and they recorded mm -hmm. a student section, Oregon student section, uh, they recorded through a number of different videos, a video that has been widely circulated on social media, eliciting all kinds of feedback from fans, but it basically said, F the Mormons, clap, clap, mm -hmm. clap, 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 and they would repeat that from the Oregon student fan section. Yeah, I mean, this is how uh, the uh, Let's Go Brandon uh, chant started, so, yeah, pretty, sim pretty similar situation. Yeah, um, I mean, this is making yeah. the rounds on social media all but, over the place. Yeah, here. must have really demoralized the football team because, yeah, they got spanked. <laughs> it was 41 to 20 in favor of the Ducks. And, oh. you know, it, it is, you're right, uh, D.V., it's, it's surprising. Eugene, Oregon, that's a, a pretty high concentrated LDS uh, place. Um, there, there's uh, certain places along the, the West Coast, and that's one where there's a lot of uh, members there. So, yeah, and that's what, what somebody tweeted out there. They said, well, you know, I don't understand these Oregon fans because why are you saying F the Mormons when you have Mormons who are literally on the Oregon football team? Yeah, exactly. I was like, what? <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's kind of weird, isn't it? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. You know, and so, Governor Cox, uh, your governor there, Al, mm -hmm. he's weighed into this uh, particular thing and he's denounced mm -hmm. it as saying that it is religious bigotry. Yeah, is this, and is this is this religious religious bigotry or is this just boneheaded fans? What? what? Well, uh, okay, I would say this is probably as much religious bigotry. Um, uh, uh, well, let's see. No, religious bigotry. I, I mean, you're using basic. Uh, let's see. This is a tough thing because, according to the church, I mean, it's a horrible thing. Or certain LDS. Uh, um, faithful Facebook postings have told us lately that uh, saying the term Mormon is uh, akin to saying the N-word. Um, I, I don't know that I equate the two personally, but, um, you know, this is, I, I think it's just kind of more of a moniker. I mean, I guess I could have said F the LDS and maybe people would say, well, we don't practice polygamy anymore. We're the LDS, not FLDS. I, I, oh. Poor joke there. Very poor uh, Mormon. Uh, a little late with the Mormon joke of the week. Jack. That's, yeah, there. Okay, that's, a, that's a bit of a stretch there, but yeah, Spencer Cox. He's a, this is at uh, his official Twitter handle. Spencer J. Cox says religious bigotry is alive and celebrated in Oregon. And look, the number of fans that we're talking about here, this wasn't like an entire no. huge section. This was a very mm -hmm. small number of people. Yeah, you got a handful of people in one in one part of the uh, the stands that just thought, hey, this will be funny. Let's do this. And, you know, that's how it goes at football games. People get hyped up. They get excited. They're, you know, everybody's there to have a good time. It's just, you know, this is sometimes they take it too far. And this is, you know, I think that this was probably done um, in the spirit of competition, not necessarily friendly competition, but uh, definitely just in the spirit of competition that oh, well, let's see what we can do to demoralize the other team. Well, I, I don't remember uh, Governor Cox uh, sending out similar tweets when other uh, viral uh, things have gone have happened. Th again, this didn't within happen his own state. With, yeah, yeah the, first of all, this <laughs> didn't even happen in his own state. Okay, mm -hmm. number two. So this is a BYU playing a football game in a different state. None of these people um, that are in the video are Utahns, but there's been plenty of bigotry inside of Utah. And haven't heard Spencer Cox weigh in on those and share the viral videos about religious bigotry being alive. It's amazing the selective outrage that the governor seems to uh, have. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, if when you're the governor, you're the governor of everybody. So, I mean, he has plenty of uh, people of color living within his own state. 
and uh, you know, we really need to stand up for everybody that you're governing. But uh, yeah, he was pretty silent. Um, over the whole incident down at BYU, he didn't weigh in on it, and he didn't even uh, weigh in enough to say, "Well, let's you know, hold on and see what the the, the video shows." And see you're if talking about the volleyball a... incident. Yeah, he didn't I, say I one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he didn't say one word about the recent volleyball incident. Nope. No, he you know, just so uh, sh- swept that one under the rug. Yeah. So when the shoes on the other foot, oh boy, we're going to tweet this out right away. But then when the mm-hmm. shoes on the other foot, then it's complete silence here. So uh, yeah. <laughs> Selective so, moral outrage here. Exactly. And then it starts to look like we're just, you know, uh, combing the Internet, looking for any way to to be personally offended. Because, uh, you know, uh, Governor Cox, he is active uh, faithful LDS. And uh, so this is, something, you know, something that I guess really hurt his feelings personally on, on a very deep uh, and personal level. Uh, yeah, he also did. He called for that day of prayer to end the drought. By the way, how's the uh, drought going um, out there, Al? Uh, you know, I'll tell you. This week we've had a couple of pretty decent thunderstorms. This week, um, we're not out of the drought. It certainly didn't fill up the Great Salt Lake any, um, but some of our aquifers and reservoirs, uh, at least in the northern part of the state, have done pretty decent right now, and. Uh, but I mean, that's the problem. Is Devays? We're in such a dire situation here that we're we're going to be hurting unless uh, the governor does something more than just calling for prayer. Well, uh, yeah, definitely. I I, I just find it very uh, interesting that uh, after we had the, uh, the the volleyball incident that happened uh, about a month ago on BYU campus, where allegedly BYU students were being racially insensitive, and they combed all of these uh, feeds, they couldn't mm-hmm. find anything, but they found about a hundred videos of these Oregon fans. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That if there is something, (laughs) it can be found these days Mm -hmm. rather easily. Oh, exactly. They've got the, and it's, it's like linked in the, uh, in the article that you can see everybody's different videos. So like, you know, with the BYU situation where you've got, you know, one person that comes out and says, oh, I heard somebody yelling uh, the N word. And they go back and comb through all the video, and they can't find a single incident of it. I mean, it's a little suspicious, sure, but uh, I, you know, I, yeah, <laughs> it kind of reminds me of back when, oh, back when Dennis Rodman. Uh, you remember when Dennis Rodman came to Utah for the uh, Utah Jazz Finals? Yeah, on, mm-hmm. this was back in 1997, and he said, uh, F, he also said, "F the Mormons." Seems to be a common, uh, common ch- uh, chant. He was mm-hmm. fined at that time a record $50,000, and he said he was sorry. But Dennis Rodman, he said he didn't even really understand what Mormons were. He thought that Mormons meant Utahns. He didn't even understand that it was a religion. <laughs> well, yeah, it's kind of like calling somebody from Indiana Hoosiers or something like that. I mean, it's like, it's a moniker that, uh, like, I mean, there's certain uh, types like New Englanders calling them Yankees. Uh, you know, uh, what, what what are some other uh, things? You know, but, but they're like, uh, um, let's see, the the Buckeyes of Ohio. I don't know if that applies as universally as uh, something like Hoosier, but it, that's that's kind of the idea, right? It's like, okay, well, we've got these, uh, this is a term that you refer to people from this region as. And I think I could see where Dennis Rodman would, would, see, would consider that to be a thing. Because uh, especially, here's another point that I'd like to make, is not everybody is aware of the LDS church and its teachings and what its uh, beliefs are. And I think that the LDS people really overestimate 
the uh, the awareness of the rest of the world to their beliefs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that could be the case. I do that. You're probably 100 percent right there. I wonder mm -hmm. what is going to happen to these Oregon students. Because when it happened at BYU, they were they had people, they moved police officers, they opened up a huge investigation, they had people in the stands, they were combing things, they opened up hotlines. They, I mean, they were not, they practically mobilized the National Guard for this yeah. uh, for the BYU game. And what's mm -hmm. happening so far to these Oregon students? Well, the Oregon has apologized, and I guess that's about it. I mean, mm -hmm. if you tell somebody uh, to go f, f yeah. off, are you supposed to go to jail for that? I mean, uh, exactly, because I mean, this is the the United States, and we do have the First Amendment. Uh, freedom of speech protected in there, but not all speech is protected. Certain hate speech comes with uh, with consequences. So, um, was this a crime? I, I wouldn't call it a crime. I wouldn't even necessarily call it a misdemeanor. It would call, it would be a matter of rudeness, and I would think that a an apology should suffice. Uh, I, I one would think an apology would suffice, uh, and maybe uh, that these uh, these particular students who are involved with that, I don't know, could be uh, banned for the rest of the football games for the rest of the season. That seems to be like the rest of the home games. There's like five more home games. It should be banned for the rest of the season. How you know that mm -hmm. seems like an appropriate punishment to me. Yep. Um, okay. So uh, now our next article here. This is from uh, EastIdahoNews.com. This is posted mm -hmm. on 13 September 2022. Man who set fire to three LDS churches in Utah ordered to pay over one million dollars in restitution. So this was back. Uh, this is from St. George a while back. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think it was about a year ago. Yeah. Um, that he set three meeting houses. Benjamin James Johnson at 37 pleaded guilty, but mentally ill. He burned down three meeting houses uh, back in last. Uh, it was last August of last year. Mm -hmm. um, so after he burned the first one, he, he immediately moved on to the second one. After that one started burning, then the police um, sent uh, deputies or, or they sent sheriffs to all of the uh, chapels and they caught him in the act of the first one. Yeah. And uh, he's been sentenced to uh, 320 days in jail and a million dollars. But the problem is, is that he's mentally He's mentally ill. He thinks he's a deity, and mm -hmm. uh, he's just a really bizarre individual. Yeah, um, this one, <laughs> I gotta say, this article kind of uh, is a little foreshadowing for um, the sins of the mother uh, show that we're going to review up there in a little bit. Because uh, when you've got somebody here that's like, okay, well, I am chosen, I am special, and this is, I am divine, I am deity, and so whatever my will is is the will of the Lord. So. You've got these people that um, are mentally ill, and this is what they're doing. And I gotta say, you know, that take it's pretty amazing that he can get to three chapels before getting caught. Um, so the guy was well organized, and he uh, he did. Um, I don't want to say a good job, maybe a thorough job is a good word for it of uh, getting of accomplishing what he set out to do. Because to do damage to three building or meeting houses in one night, that's uh, that shows commitment. And I, I'm going to be interested to see what his mental competence is, um, because there's plenty of people that are mentally ill out there, and uh, they think that they speak for deity or that they are deity. And uh, you know, can you really say a mentally ill person can get to three? Uh, meeting houses in one night before getting caught. I, not to mention, it's not small fires. I mean, some of these did big amounts of damage. Yeah, yeah it was. Uh, you know, it's amazing how much vandalism has uh, really uh, been in the news because it, it happened mm -hmm. after the AP sex abuse. A bunch of them were vandalized mm -hmm. in Salt Lake City. I mean, the church has something like uh, I believe it is somewhere around fourteen thousand meeting houses throughout the world. 
And so, mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're a prime target for people who uh, want to take out their grievances against the church for whatever yeah. reasons. Yeah, for sure. And in a place like, uh, um, like St. George, uh, meeting houses are abundant. Um, all across Utah, it seems like meeting houses, there's one on about every corner, but or at least within a mile uh, radius of each other. But, you know, not, not to not to go on too much of a tangent, I didn't see a single LDS. Well, no, I did see one LDS meeting house in uh, Kemmer, Wyoming. Mm. Um, tons of churches. Only one of them was LDS. It was interesting. A little surprised. Yeah, I yeah, thought there would be more surprising. of a... Yeah, because it's not that far from Utah. I thought there would be a more concentrated LDS population there. It's a mining town, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Okay, hey, our next article here is from the Church News. This is on 16 September 2022, and it says Church to Close Columbia MTC Effective January 2023. So with its closure and five other uh, MTCs have been closed in 2019 and 2020, the church used to have 14 missionary training centers worldwide. And starting next year, that number is going to be reduced all the way down to nine. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's see. In 2019, they they closed the Madrid, Spain uh, MTC, uh, Santiago, Chile, Buenos Aires, and Argentina, and Santo Domingo in the Roma- Dominican Republic. And so this one is now the uh, it, is it Bogota or is it uh, it's Colombia? I didn't see the the location, but. Yeah. yeah, they're close. I'm not sure the exact location of they're closing down another Columbia MTC there. So, I mean, mm-hmm. they, we, we had a high up to 14 and, and now mm-hmm. down to only nine. So the uh, yeah. nine remaining ones is uh, Brazil, England, Ghana, Mexico, New Zealand, Peru, the Philippines, South America, and of course, the flagship, mm-hmm. the Provo Missionary Training Center in Provo, yeah. Utah, which is where I went to, right? Do you went there too? Yep, that's right. We both went to the Provo one. Uh, and yeah, I've I've been like to the 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 one in England, but um, it was kind of a new thing at the time. It's it just barely opened, uh, so I mean, not not been through it, but I've been past there because it's like right next to the Preston England Temple. Um, but yeah, I mean that was kind of becoming a new thing, and it was kind of uh, back in the day uh, as a as a firm believing member. I thought, oh, this is great, you know, they're it, the church is expanding so much that they're having to put up more MTCs around the world to train people. And uh, in fact, like uh, my niece uh, served a mission in Mexico city and, uh, or uh, not Mexico city. It was uh, south of there, but anyway, she reported to the Mexico city MTC. Um, And so it was kind of exciting. Like, Oh, you know, missionaries can go uh, to the place where they're going to be serving and uh, you know, uh, be trained right there. So it was exciting, but now that looks like we're shrinking. Yeah, the, uh, the 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 total number of missionaries really spiked there in 2011 um, when they reduced the missionary age because you know that from males from 21 down to 19 and from uh, excuse me from females 21 down to 19 and from males from 19 to 18 because then you had a whole uh, section of missionaries who were out there at the same time that you know approached about 80,000 missionaries. This was like in 2011. So since that time, missionary uh, you know participation has really fallen. In fact, you know anecdotal sources say that only about a third of uh, uh, young men who uh, are, uh, you know, Melchizedek priesthood holders mm-hmm. or who, who are 19 are going on missions now, which is the lowest ever. In fact, oh, yeah. 
you know, the number of missionaries that the church had, we discussed this before, peaked in the late 1990s where you had 0.6% of all members who were on a mission. Now that number is 0.3%. So only half of the missionaries who were going back in the 90s are going on missions now. So we're seeing some of these, uh, you know, we're seeing that some of these uh, MTCs are closing down because of the number of missionaries is decreasing. And it's also, pardon me, being replaced by service missionaries. A lot of people are going on service missions instead of proselyting missions. And you don't need to go to an MTC if you're going on a service mission. Yeah, that's uh, something, a little, you know, anecdote from my own personal life. Uh, My nephew was uh, called to serve a mission full time this last summer. Um, and um, it's a little surprising because his own dad is his uh, bishop. And uh, <laughs> uh, so they sent they sent him to the MTC, and I guess he got to the mission field for a couple of weeks. And um, then all of a sudden he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going home. And they're like, well, um, are, are you going home, going home? Or, you know, we've got other options we can explore. We can uh, have you go home and do a service mission. And he's like, oh, okay, I'll do that. So now he's... Uh, I think we're going to see a lot more of this where you've got uh, young people that um, it just seems like the rising generation has a lot more. uh, They're more vulnerable to uh, mental um, fatigue or uh, mental problems. Uh, And so they it's a difficult thing. It really takes a a strain on you to serve an LDS mission, um, at least the way they used to be. And the church has made some really good uh, strides to alleviate that like allowing missionaries to call home every week instead of just allowing them to write once a week and then, uh, you know, call twice a year. But yeah, this is something where I got to give props to, you know, the church for uh, loosening the belt a little bit and letting it, uh, you know, letting kids accommodate their needs and make it a little less like uh, they're engaging in human trafficking, you know, because it used to be where they, the church would be like, Oh, Give us your uh, your passports and you know driver's licenses, and we're going to hang on to those. And uh, then at the end of your mission, you can have them back. Uh, no, it's not like that anymore. You can they they give them a little bit more freedom, a little bit more leeway. But uh, I agree. I, yeah, I think we'll see a lot more of these kids uh, that uh, opt for service missions instead of proselyting missions. And um, I think there's a lot more good to be done through service missions. I think this is a good thing myself. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that missionaries coming home early, you know, when I, when I was a missionary, that was considered a, a pretty rare. In fact, I would say exceptionally mm-hmm. rare. And oh, anecdotal, yeah. anecdotal evidence seems to suggest that that is uh, far more common now than it was back in the day. Of course, the church doesn't release all of these numbers, so we don't have it in uh, hard numbers. But, uh, you know, and, and the number of MTC, some people have postulated that the best way to track a church growth and shrinkage is actually through the number of MTCs. And uh, that would suggest a shrinking in the church. However, you need to understand that more and more missionaries are doing either part or all of their missionary training at home on Zoom. You know, they started yeah. in the pandemic and they didn't necessarily shut it down for everyone. They realized that, hey, doing a missionary and MTC experience through Zoom um, mm-hmm. works just as easily. It's cheaper. It's better. And so, you know, the, the fact yeah. that some of these are shutting down does not necessarily show that the church you know, that there's a, you know, shrinkage in the church. That's true. Um, Cause this is, I think this is just more of an example of, well, this is how the church is deciding to streamline the process and how they're trying to, uh, you know, smooth it out, make it more cost effective and economical. 
Yeah, I mean, these MTCs, we covered this in the Widow's Might Report. These MTCs, the total amount of money for these MTCs, they're worth a lot of money. So, I mean, if, yes, you, can save money, if you can save money by doing it online and have the experience be just as good. Now, that's the question. The problem here is that if you have a foreign-speaking missionary, he's trying to mm -hmm. learn a foreign language on Zoom. I can virtually guarantee oh, you that his, uh, <laughs> his experience is not going to be as good as if he was doing it uh, in Provo or at another MTC. Yeah, yeah, they've got half of those kids that come home from foreign missions. They still don't speak this, the language uh, very well. They have kind of a, a, a toddler type uh, understanding of the language. But um, yeah, to even make it worse to learn it over Zoom uh, and then get dropped <laughs> into the middle of the, the country and then, okay, go knock on doors and talk to people. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I had a, yeah. I have a friend whose son uh, was going out on a mission, or I think he just mm -hmm. left. Um, and he he's doing most of his uh, MTC uh, through Zoom, and he's mm -hmm. only doing eight to five. His 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 classroom mm -hmm. time is you know he goes from eight to like eleven thirty. He has lunch for an hour. He comes back on, goes from one to four thirty, and he's done. The rest of the mm -hmm. day he's on his own time. I was like, man, how come? How did I miss out on that experience? That's what that would have been nice. In fact, you know, Al, I lived only a couple hundred yards away from the Provo MTC when I went in there. I, oh, I really? Easily, yeah, I could have easily just walked over to the MTC. It really mm -hmm. made no sense for me. Once our classes were done for the night, I should have just mm -hmm. been allowed to go home with my own mother and yeah. uh, live, sleep in my own bed and then show back up the next morning. And there's no and, reason for me to have to stay overnight. Yeah, because I mean, when, when especially during those days, that's when the church was at its, its peak, right? I mean, we're talking late nineties, uh, early two thousands, where, yeah, the church needed the bed space, so they it really would be a good measure to make. Because likewise, when I lived in the MTC, I think uh, my my parents lived in Northern Orem, so like I could have you know t commuted fifteen minutes uh, in the morning and the evening uh, to to go back and forth. You're right. Could have easily done it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that they're realizing it, which is why they're doing uh, Zoom uh, Zoom stuff, more Zoom stuff now. So, yeah, we're seeing a shrinkage in the MTCs. We're definitely seeing a shrinkage in the proselyting force and the total number of missionaries. Um, mm -hmm. Does it necessarily, um, you know, is, is it a one-to-one -one correlation? Probably not because a lot of people are doing online stuff these days. Yeah, exactly. So, so. Okay. Now, our next our article here is uh, this is big news here. We've got a lot of big news articles. And mm -hmm. that's um, this was uh, dropped by Tad Welch on uh, September 14, 2022. Why Latter-day Saint leaders just made the largest humanitarian donation in church history, and this was to solve seismic hunger crisis, leads to a donation of tens of millions of dollars for food and other emergency support for 1.6 million people. The church gave out 32 million dollars here this last week to the World Food Program. Al, 32 million dollars. This is a big chunk of change. This is more than than I'll ever make in my lifetime. I mean, yeah. You, yeah, you'll probably make uh, you know about fifty million. So this is just a little bit less than, <laughs> than you'll be worth. But um, yeah, <laughs> this will be a lot more than I will ever be worth. That's for sure. So uh, you know, good for the church for doing this. I'm a little surprised, um, Dvays, and I'm uh, and the reason I'm a little surprised is this uh, seems to fly in the face of the statement that um, Elder Oaks made with uh, in his book. Uh, saying that the the church's purpose is to take care of the spiritual needs, not the temporal, and you know the rest of the world can look after the temporal needs, but the church uh, does what the rest of the world can't by you know providing priesthood and temples and the, this kind of ecclesiastical service that the rest of the world can't, and the rest of the world can provide food and shelter and all those things. That's the the reasoning that Elder Oaks gave 
for um, not giving more uh, temporal in the way of those things temporally, right? Yep. Now, I believe that that is correct. We covered that in our previous podcast there mm-hmm. from Elder Oaks. So it kind of peeled back the uh, onion for us as to why the church hasn't done these big things in mm-hmm. the past. I, so now we know what the church, first of all, now we mm-hmm. know what the church's largest donation is because we didn't know that prior to this time. That's so right. Now we know that the church has never donated more than $32 million to mm-hmm. any one particular charity. And now we know that. So that's a, that's that's something to think about. Mm-hmm. Number two, I believe that this is spread out over uh, about eight, eight years of total donations. This is this mm-hmm. is necessarily a one-time shot, but it's spread over a couple of years. Yeah, well, I mean that much money takes a a, a lot to uh, get it rounded up, and you know you can't swallow an elephant all at once, right? You got take it one bite at a time. Yeah, and the World uh, Food Program uh, president uh, uh, on the left there, uh, Baron Seeger, you know, he just said mm-hmm. how grateful he was to the church at this time of unprecedented need. He said that this is, I'm confident that this gift will inspire others, and this is going to help uh, end global hunger. I mean, this is just, you know, big kudos to the church for this. This is a really a tremendous, uh, a tremendous uh, story. Yeah, this is a, a huge step in the right direction. Um, I, I, I don't know that it will end global hunger. They, they said it would take, what, about a billion dollars to end global hunger. But I, I got to say, I mean, this is a huge step in the right direction. I mean, this is, uh, you know, the equivalent of, okay, let's say that uh, if you're a, a, a millionaire with a hundred uh, plus million dollars in, 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 your, uh, in your bank, uh, this would be the equivalent of you handing me $32,000, right, to to help me out. So basically, you bought me a car out of your 100 plus million. I mean, this, that's, uh, I'm trying to to give it some kind of context or comparison, like, right? So 32000 that's a really, that's a nice new car, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, the church's estimated uh, total worth is, uh, you know, they have about $150 billion in Enzyme Peak, and then they have 100, about $100 billion in real mm-hmm. estate. So the church is worth about $250 billion. Mm-hmm. They gave $32 million of that. That's, uh, I guess that's, what is that, a tiny bit over the 1%? Uh, I mm-hmm. believe that that is my, it's a tiny bit over 1%. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, 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 a, it's a pretty decent amount, sure. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm glad to see it. I, for one, I'm very glad to see it. Um, they said that the World Food Program estimates that almost a billion people go to bed hungry every night, and this is a big step yeah. in the right direction mm-hmm. into um, um, solving that. Now, the Widows Might Report, um, they discussed this. Uh, um, they tweeted out a response to this, which, of course, they're the gold standard, I think, when it comes to uh, talking about the church finances. And they said that uh, this was tweeted out on September 15th at 11 o'clock from mm-hmm. uh, the Widows Might Report on Twitter. It said, we hope to see a lot more headlines this, uh, like this from the church. It would be nice to know if these funds came from surplus tithing or LDS charities or if the donation was funded out of the church welfare slash fast offerings. So that is the big golden question. Where did this money come from? Did it come from surplus tithing, meaning you know, the church has about a billion dollars in surplus tithing every year. They take in mm-hmm. about, I don't know, about $6 billion in tithing. Mm-hmm. And the operating budget is only about seven billion, so they have a billion in surplus tithing. Did it come from there? Did it come exclusively from LDS charities? And most, my understanding here is that most of the LDS charities money is coming from wealthy don uh, wealthy donors to the church. That's outside mm-hmm. of the typical fast offering and tithing channels. Or yeah. did it come out of the fast offerings? Where did this money come from? Um, that'd be really nice to know. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it says at the bottom of the article that the church gives uh, $1 billion in charitable donations a year. Um, and I, 
believe that that's including all the fast offerings and you know the LDS charities, their um, welfare square, uh, the uh, canning and bishop storehouses, all of that combined. So yeah, where did this come from? It says through LDS charities. Um, is that the source of it? So is it wealthy donors? Is it um, is it tithing being funneled through there? Is it fast offerings being funneled through there? Good question. Yeah, why not? Why not just why not just tell us where it came from? Now I assume there here that we've got Bishop Budge here who's gone over to hand the check over to the uh, he flew over to hand the check to the CEO there. So we can I guess assume that this has actually happened. I know that this is a big shocker to you, Al, but there's been a, a number of charities over the years that have claimed that they made donations to particular things and then they actually didn't make them. I know that that would seem shocking, but right. it's all, unfortunately all too common. And when you don't open up your books. Um, I don't know. I'm just left to wonder. I, I, I guess I take them at their word, but people say that they have done things that they haven't actually done. Uh, like, I, for instance, would be taking credit for other people's work and donations. Yeah, and that's what we discussed with the uh, one billion dollars of fa- the one billion dollars in annual giving. Most that of that would, that um, would be dishonest. Uh, I don't know if it would be dishonest. What I would say is that I think a reasonable characterization of if I give to the church and then the church gives to somebody else, I think it would be a better representation to say that that was a member donation, not uh, a church donation. Yeah, this is uh, very very much akin to uh, the uh, Relief Society president saying, we're going to collect socks for the homeless. Everybody bring your socks over to the Relief Society president's house and then she takes them all down to the homeless shelter and don't makes the donation saying, Oh, the church decided to donate all these socks. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. So this yeah. is a great step in the right direction. We've got a long, long, long way to go in order to, um, um, to donate what in my mind is the appropriate amount of donation that yeah. is necessary because the, like we said, the, um, even if we grant that the church is going to give say a hundred million dollars in humanitarian giving this year, if a hundred million dollars, the problem is, is that there's like 20 million members. That's only five dollars per member per year. That's still nothing. That's not enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Exactly, because oh. the the church is still reporting um, 16 million plus, right? So I don't know where we up 17 million yet, but uh, I'm just I'm just giving you a bar, a garden. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm just yeah. I'm just estimating here. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And, and I think that's a fair estimate. Mm-hmm. So and also the church, you know, when they're when they're reporting how much money that they're giving to charity, they also record the members uh, donation hours. And I think that the rate that they record, uh, report that is, is they say, well, if a member donates an hour at a uh, bishop storehouse, we count that as a thirty dollars an hour donation. So the hundred million dollar figure of donations that we're going to see approximately for this year, not all of that is cash giving. Some of that is in goods and some of that is in service. Mm-hmm. So. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. They uh, they calculate the uh, the hours, um, giving a certain dollar amount per hour. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So our our next video here is our, our next article here is uh, on the Mormon movie reviews. We uh, dropped mm-hmm. another video here, review of the Man's Search for Happiness. Al, did, were you able to um, were you able to watch that? Yeah, drop it. You did. You did an amazing job. Okay. All right, I don't care what era you grew up in. If you grew up watching uh, Man's Search for Happiness, now this is a, a video that was made uh, originally in the 60s. Was it 1964 World's Fair? that yes. they? Yeah, so they took it to the 1964 World's Fair, uh, built this replica of the Salt Lake Temple, and as people were going through the World's Fair, they'd play this video for them. And this is 
basically just the the church's um, most fundamental beliefs, you know, answering the questions of who are we, why are we here, and where do we come from, where are we going after we die. And this is a church's um, pretty concise, it's what, maybe half an hour long, uh, the, the actual video itself. Um, but then they remade it again. And what Dives has done, I watched this uh, this review, and it's phenomenal. He took both videos side by side and put them up on the screen, and he walks you through uh, both videos simultaneously. He shows you that it's pretty much a shot-for-shot -shot recreation. Uh, in fact, it's the exact same narrator. The narrator is uh, our beloved Mr. Harris from Johnny Lingo. Um, what is his name, the actor? Uh, actually, the uh, narr the narrator is actually Richard Evans, who is Richard an apostle. Evans. Oh, but, for heaven's sake, the grandfather, him. yeah, the grandfather is played by uh, um, uh, Mr. Uri by Francis. Yeah, Uri, the grandfather was. I, my mistake. I was thinking of the uh, the previous one, one that we did with uh, the uh, the first vision with Joseph Smith. Uh, that Francis Uri uh, yeah. is one of the um, narrators for that. But yeah, this one's phenomenal. You'll see not just um, the differences between the because they did the remake in 1986 or 85 yes. uh -huh. yeah. 86 and 86 and um so they got a different cast but uh the same narration and they've got um some different cultural uh ways of showing things because you know the church shows that there's some people that like to engage in sin well what does it sin mean uh in a, <laughs> a family friendly kind of video that you can show and so there's you'll see some differences there and then you'll see like you know some of the differences in the way that uh, the world had worked like medicine okay there's a birth video baby comes into the world we're gonna you know in the 60s doctor pulls out the baby holds it upside down like a trout he just caught <laughs> and yeah. starts throttling its throat to stimulate the vocal cords to get the baby to cry <laughs> and then you know the, the mother's just kind of laying there on the table exhausted and uh, the the doctor hauls the baby off to you know do all the stuff. Well, by the time the 1980s came around, there had been some advances in medicine. You see, the, the baby comes out and they give it to the mother immediately because the skin on skin contact had been you know verified at that point that that's a pretty important time in the baby's life. So, yeah, the, this is a really good review. Um, I'm I'm going off too long, but anybody that grew up, I don't care which version you watched, you're going to learn something completely new from this. And uh, it's really cool. Go watch it. Well, I hope so. Uh, yeah, it's only a 14-minute video, but it's an hour and six-minute review. So, yeah. so to say that it's an in-depth review, I think, is an understatement. <laughs> yeah, um, you guys yeah, say, Dives doesn't do anything but deep dives. <laughs> yeah, and this last week also, this is all on uh, Go to YouTube Mormon Movie Reviews. Just, uh, mm -hmm. just take a look at that. I also reviewed uh, Pioneers in Petticoats in 1969. Uh, you recall that film, don't you, Al? Oh, absolutely. And this is another one where we got the Young Women's Organization uh, being organized by Brigham Young to perform yeah. a retrenchment society because those scandalous young pioneer girls in Salt Lake and the 1860s were just getting a little too scandalous and a little too liberal. Yeah, those, all those petticoats, why, all yeah. those extra petticoats there, that was a real scandal at the time. Yeah. Now, now, mm -hmm. Polygamy, now that's not a scandal, but uh, you know, a couple yeah. extra petticoats, that's a big mm -hmm. deal, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I look, yeah. Forward to, I look forward to watching that one as well. This is a, a really good project that Dives has been working on and I'll tell you, and, like I said, I, I, someone like me grew up watching all these uh, videos. You're going to learn something that you never knew before watching uh, any of these. It's excellent. 
Now, last thing I'm just going to plug for the Mormon movie reviews because we're going to move on there is I also reviewed the uh, banned Mormon cartoon. Have you ever seen that? The 1982 oh, Godmakers, that cartoon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, one, that one yes i do it's uh almost kind of looks like a hanna barbera thing um, <laughs> <laughs> yes it does it kind of yeah. looks like johnny quest yeah for yeah. real it does yeah it's that same yeah. style yeah mm-hmm. uh, it's from that god makers uh, v- uh video and it's only a six minute cartoon al but i did a two-hour review on it oh so my goodness yeah that's the thing is that that's a, that's an incredible video because it just has so much packed into six minutes. It is a really yeah. is a real challenge for me to review that video. It, it was mm-hmm. very very difficult, but uh, yeah, if you're into a deep dive into the Godmakers, then um, you can go ahead and check out the Band Mormon cartoon, the uh, 1982 mm-hmm. version. For sure. Okay, uh, let's. Uh, we got two last articles here to get to for the Mormon uh, news roundup here, and uh, our next article is the General Conference Dream Headlines. So uh, what's going on with that article? Okay, so this one, um, we've got (laughs) um, the Salt Lake Tribune where uh, they've reached out to ask Mormon land readers to vote for their favorite dream headlines as to what's going to be uh, the topics of the next general conference. And so it's a doozy. It's it's an interesting one. And it's all in good fun, too. Uh, David Noy, September 12th uh, for the Salt Lake Tribune. Um, he's, uh, just reporting what all of our, uh, our, uh, what, um, the, the Salt Lake Tribune readers have submitted as would be their dream headlines. Yeah. So you, uh, you know, the general conference is coming up here, the, the most the wonderful time of the year. I think that's the, how the song goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and we discussed this as our, our Mormon news roundup has been around for six months. So we were actually here for the last general conference and we talked about mm-hmm. in, in the last time. What could the great headlines of the general conference be? Because t- the typical general conference headlines is a couple of new temples are built and mm-hmm. uh, Elder Oaks um, um, uh, doesn't like gay people, I guess. That's basically the, the mm-hmm. headlines that are usually come out of general conference. But what yeah. could they be? And so um, uh, that's what this article is. So let's go over some of these uh, uh, dream headlines <laughs> of what could come out of general conference. And so uh, can you read yeah, us the first one? Yeah, they're pretty good. Uh, first one. New two-member first presidency announced, Curtin and McConkie. You know, that's I like the sound of that. Just remember, remember, Al, back in when the church was organized in 1830, that there mm-hmm. was a two-member first presidency. It was Oliver Cowdery and Joseph Smith. That's right. The mm-hmm. first elder and the second elder, that was the first presidency. So we could just go back to our roots and just mm-hmm. make sense. Curtin and McConkie, as we discussed, they have so much power mm-hmm. um, over what, what happens in the church. Let's just make them the members of the first presidency. That would just... Uh, mm-hmm. Take out the middleman. Sure. Yeah, why not? Or is it uh, the next one? Conference center to be repurposed for storage of gold bars. You know, the, uh, you, <laughs> there could be a lot of gold bars. You know, a uh-huh. $250 billion, that's a lot of gold bars. Yeah, that uh, I don't know that we could pour molten gold into the, um, the conference center, but you could certainly at least designate a room to hold enough gold that... There would be a hundred billion dollars worth for sure. Yeah, Fort Knox. There's something like I don't know. There's like seven trillion dollars. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I don't know exactly how much you can fit, but uh, yeah. Let's say you know the conference mm-hmm. center. I think the conference center. I want to say the cost of making that puppy was about two hundred and fifty million dollars. I think yeah. we know that. Yeah, it was so a big that one. Seems like, mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like a good place to store store, uh, store some gold bars. Mm-hmm. Or is yeah. it the next one? Apostles to retire at age eighty. What do you think about that? Uh, I think that's a really good idea. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't think it'll really happen. Good but idea. Yeah, that is yeah. a really, really, mm-hmm. really good idea. Yes, it is. 
You know, uh, the uh, wh- wh- who's the pope there that retired there when he uh, got older and said that he was that pope uh, Benedict. Benedict. Benedict, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, he, Benedict, he just said, you know, um, I, I've served my time. I've done, I've done God's will, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm turning it mm-hmm. over to somebody who's younger. We yeah. should be doing the same thing in the church. They should be retiring at age 80 so that mm-hmm. um, President Nelson can get out of the state of Utah more than one time every three years. Exactly. He's he's retired. He's a retired doctor. What retired doctor shouldn't be traveling the world or, you know, going and enjoying some retirement? Yeah. Being emeritus general authority, you can mm-hmm. still uh, interact with the saints. I think that that is a tremendously good idea. Mm-hmm. Or Absolutely. is it the next one, Al? Okay. Garments are only to be worn in the temple. That sounds like a tremendous idea. That seems to be the direction we're going. Uh, I yeah. find I find that one to be kind of feasible, really. Yeah, yeah. you know, remember the the church read uh, President Nelson redid mm-hmm. the Temple Recommend interviews back in uh, 2019. I think it was yeah. in November mm-hmm. of 2019, and he changed the 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 verbiage on the garment question. It used mm-hmm. to be that do you wear the uh, garment of the holy priesthood day and night. Okay, now yeah. it says do you wear the garment of the holy priesthood as instructed in the temple. Mm-hmm. So that seems to be uh, taking it down a notch from all the time to uh, whenever you want to. Exactly. And, so I could see that one happening. Sure. And remember Joseph Smith. Was he wearing his garments when he was in Carthage jail? Uh, no, he wasn't. In fact, Willie no. Richards was the only one wearing his garments. And that, that is kind of became a, a thing of church folklore that, oh, that's why we got to make sure we wear the, the garment, because it will protect you from being shot in Carthage jail. Well, what's good enough for Joseph Smith and Hiram Smith, I think, should be good enough for the rest of us. So I'm all sure. in favor of that one. By the way, this is all supposed to help us ignite your momentum. That's for this general mm-hmm. conference. That's what President Nelson <laughs> wants us to do, ignite your mo- momentum. Well, if you made some of these changes, I guarantee the momentum would be ignited. Mm-hmm. For or sure. How about this next headline? Biden won the election, so everybody should stop lying about it. <laughs> I like that one. You know, yeah, let's come out and just make a, a firm stance, okay? Just say Say what it is. That, yeah, you're supposed to speak truth, so you yeah, can exactly. answer the question. You can answer the question for us. Take yeah, tr- leadership position in the world. You're the world faith leader. Take a position and be mm-hmm. the leader. Yep. Yeah, draw okay. the hard line. You know. Right. Okay. Or is it the next one? <laughs> Voting for Trump voids Temple recommend. <laughs> oh boy. You know, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's something where if I, I don't think the church could ever do it because the church is not allowed to make or to get that involved in politics. But, uh, you know, uh, I, I know there's plenty of, uh, well, at least there's, you know, well, first of all, the, the church seems to be predominantly uh, Republican. So, yeah, I, I couldn't see the, the church uh, saying, oh, you can't vote for the Republican candidate. <laughs> well, if you think back to Proposition 8, you know, the word on the street is that some bishops, mm-hmm. if you were not on the correct side of Proposition 8, especially mm-hmm. if you were in California, That's if you right. were going against the church on that, mm-hmm. then your temple recommend was called into question because that was a divine fiat. Yeah, it was. I, I, I forgot about that. You're absolutely right. So to say that the church has never done something like that in the past, I don't think is accurate because it has mm-hmm. happened in the past. Yeah, you can't say that it's never happened. It's not supposed to. You can certainly say it's not supposed to, but yeah, they have definitely done that. <clears throat> yeah. Or how about this next one? A new, uh, instead of a, a, a third temple in um, 
in Brigham City. How about a new temple in Jerusalem? <laughs> uh, you know, that's a, a really cool one. I could see them because uh, when I was at BYU, and when, I'm sure when you were at BYU, you probably heard the same story that the BYU Jerusalem Center, where people can do a semester abroad in, in Israel, mm-hmm. um, they said that the walls inside there, they have some moving partition walls where they, uh, at a moment's notice, they can move some of these partition walls and instantly convert the uh, BYU, New Jer- uh, the Jerusalem Center, into a temple. Wow, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, like I, it, the, and, and maybe that's just Mormon folklore that I uh, had at B, uh, when I was at BYU, but you know, it, maybe it's one of those three Nephite stories, right? I mean, but even so, if that's possible, like and they said it, like, oh yeah, they can they can turn that into a temple, a functioning temple. At a moment's notice, like if wow. we have a couple of missionaries that get called to Jerusalem and then World War Three starts and they close off the city, well, there's supposed to be a, a temple in uh, Jerusalem at the time when the second coming comes. So then they can just convert the BYU Center into a temple. Well, never been That's there. I, I, I don't know. I haven't seen it. <laughs> you know, that I gotta, I've got to go there and check that out someday. It reminds yeah, me that sure. the church... The church with uh, they have 400 temples announced are under construction, but um, the two most important temples haven't been done, and that's the one in Jerusalem and the one in Independence, Missouri. That's what? right. Mm-hmm. The two most important temples are still not even uh, announced. So absolutely. Uh, in fact, uh, I believe it was DNC 84 that uh, uh, Joseph Smith said that the one in Far West Missouri was going to be erected in by this generation. So. Well, if you're going to live to be as long as uh, President Nelson, maybe you'll be uh, be able to make that yeah, happen. Yeah, exactly. So, um, President Nelson, get your gold shovel out and let's go start digging. <laughs> okay, our next general conference headline Salt Lake Temple renovations will include solar panels on the top. <laughs> okay, I'm on board with that. That's, that'd be cool. Uh, Why so, not? Yeah, I mean, it's got a, that big old uh, uh, roof that's kind of peaked down the middle. Sure, throw uh, yeah. solar panels on it. Yeah, absolutely. Let's be environmentally friendly. Uh, you know, we're letting some of the temple lawns go brown. Why not mm-hmm. also um, be more environmentally friendly, put some solar panels on those puppies? For sure. For the next headline, uh, Al, what's the next mm-hmm. one? Uh, counselors in bishoprics will include women. It's that about time. Cool. You know, th- this wow. could be really cool. Like, I know that the church is starting to make some some strides in the right direction there with uh, equality in women, but, uh, you know, it also, it's baby steps. You can't uh, steer this ship uh, on a dime. It takes time to, for that to happen. So I don't think that'll be this conference. But hey, maybe five years hence. We'll see. Yeah, why not? Or how about the next uh, headline, which is the church relaxes the word of wisdom hot beverage stance to just in moderation, or just in fact changes the word of wisdom back to the way that it was, which was mm-hmm. not by way of commandment, yeah. by way of uh, it was just a recommendation. Let's just go yeah. back to the way that it used to be. You know, I, I think that would be very popular amongst the young LDS group because um, I know that there's a lot of people, uh, young people in the church, that they um, have seen that there's like some really cool drinks at Starbucks and Dutch Brothers and, you know, Dunkin' Donuts, and they don't want to be left out from their group of friends. So, you know, it's just, it, it's got a little coffee in it, but it's mostly just frothy sugar. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean... I could see the church uh, relaxing their stance on that, especially since we've come to find that like coffee and tea, there's a lot more benefits health-wise than, uh, than problems. So Yeah, there is. There's no reason <clears throat> to keep people out of heaven and out of the temple for eating a, a, an evil bean. 
Let's, yeah. um, let's just relax that puppy back to the way that it originally was. This is, mm-hmm. a, I think, it's a great idea. Or how about this next one? Church asks for your prayers and how to bring gays and lesbians back into the fold. Um, that's going to be an interesting one. <laughs> I don't know what happened. These are dreams. Yeah, exactly. These, these still, um, it seems like the church's stance is still uh, trying to pray the gay away, and or at least to pray the the gay at bay. Maybe like, okay, don't uh, don't give in to your carnal uh, urges, but yeah, uh, you can be gay, just don't act on it. As as as, as it seems to be essentially the church's stance, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or how about the next one? Uh, New monument announced to honor the church's first lady, Fanny Alger. (laughs) I really like that. Somebody's out Uh, there trying to stir the pot. (laughs) I don't don't think you're going to say that. That would be nice. I guess she is. She Mm -hmm. is uh, kind of the first lady, you know, in a manner of speaking. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Uh, Or or BYU rescinds waiver of clergy confidentiality and vows to stop mistrusting faculty. We covered this a couple of weeks ago. Well, I don't think that would ever happen. <laughs> These are dreams. So yeah, exactly. Dream, yeah, man can dream. Man, man can, can certainly dream. Now, <laughs> uh, speaking of dreaming, this next one I think would be the most shocking of all the headlines. What is it? Al? Oh my goodness! Could you imagine? "Quote: I would like to apologize to the LGBTQ plus community." Unquote. Oak says in historic talk. <laughs> now that's a headline that I can get behind. Uh-huh. I promise you that that headline would travel around the world faster than anything you've ever seen. Before. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, that, that one amazing. that one would be a shocker. Yeah, it would be. Um, I, I don't know which would be more of a shock, the Fanny Alger or that one. I, it's yeah. hard to say. <laughs> or how about the next yeah. headline, Al? An, a full disclosure of how tithing money is spent. Um, positive, sure, but uh, uh, likely, no, not really. No. Um, you just need to have a, a church login and you'd be able to see what's happening with your donation. Okay. When you donate to another uh, uh, charitable organization, all of the major mm-hmm. organizations in the United States, you get to see an impact statement saying, hey, my $4 went to uh, $3.90, oh, yeah. $3 of it went to this, 50 cents mm-hmm. of it went to that, and 20% went to overhead or whatever it is. Yeah. You get to see an impact statement. How about the church does the same thing? Exactly. I mean, shoot, even the Red Cross, I, I got a text message uh, about a year ago after donating blood. And after, I think, about a month, uh, they had kept it on ice, and uh, they sent me a text message that says, oh, just so you know, your uh, donation went to save somebody's life. Like, wow, you know, that, I mean, that's a pretty dang cool thing, I thought. So with the, you know, with the church, I know that, like, with a lot of organizations, in fact, the great, uh, the great majority of them will tell you, this is uh, where the money that you donate is going to and at what percentages. So really, the only kind of organizations that don't disclose that are, you know, kind of shady. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, or how about the next one? The church decides to build a, uh, a chain of a homeless centers in several major world cities. Um, yeah. Once again, that would be an excellent step in the right direction. goes completely against what uh, President Oak said. But hey. Okay. I, I would love to see it happen. Yeah. Or how about the abuse hotline is moved out of the social um, move to so out of the risk management department to the social services department. It's hosted by actual social workers and the church ends the hotline relationships with the lawyers. Uh, somebody out there has been listening to this podcast because that's exactly what Dive's uh, whole idea was, right? That, Hey, the, the church could go and establish, um, 
you know, a, a good social network or a social service network here that provide a shelter in every stake and to provide a, a health uh, or a mental health counselor and all of this, a church could make some really good uh, headway there. Um, so uh, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't think that the church needs to get rid of lawyers altogether. No. I mean, I so, so I'm not necessarily in favor of the church uh, not having a relationship with lawyers. Yeah, we, we can the cut the addendum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the purpose of the lawyers should be to uh, help our victims, not to yeah. um, not to um, mitigate risk for the church as a whole. For sure. Um, or how about this uh, next one? The church reconfigures all buildings uh, to enable drive-up tithing. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> so they're going to put a drive-thru <laughs> in all the buildings. Uh, I, you know, that that's something that I could see, uh, like uh, one of the, the top apostles, uh, you know, maybe a Jeffrey Holloman type, to say, well, that's what we should do as a drive-up window, uh, not realizing that we're in a day and age of Venmo and Zelle, and, you know, like people can just, yeah. you don't even have to drive up to the window to make your donation, right? Yeah. Or how about the, uh, can you read us the next uh, dream? These are all dreams oh, here. These are all dreams. Dream. Yeah. Okay. okay. What's the next headline there? Multi-level Mormonism plan revealed. Members Uh-oh. to receive back 2% of future convert tithes. So that yeah. means that if I, if uh, I convert you and then you huh? go out and convert three of your friends, then yeah. you're going to get 2% back on your tithing for all of those three friends. And then when those three friends go out and they grab three friends each and convert them to the church, then all those three friends from each of them will trickle up and you're going to get 2% back from those three friends too. And that, uh, you know, we're letting you all in on the ground level here. Hey, right? you want to talk about <laughs> you want to talk about igniting your momentum? I'm going to tell you that that yeah. would ignite momentum like you've never seen before. And you know, uh, Utah is uh, oh, as a state are complete suckers for multi-level marketing schemes. So this would definitely work. Absolutely. The next headline is Donny Osmond is called to serve as a seventy because uh, any dream will do. Hey, why not? You know, he's uh, he's earned it. <laughs> he's, no, no, no. He's been a, a, he a, a he's been a good front man for the church out on the world stage. He's in, he's done a good job. So yeah, yeah, yeah. call him to the seventy. Yeah, I think that's a good <laughs> idea. Um, or how about the church actually decides to canonize the family proclamation? Uh, you know, that's something that I'm kind of surprised hasn't already been done because I mean they talked about it for uh, it's been. Has it been twenty or thirty years now that the? It's been, I think it's been about thirty actually. Nineteen ninety five. Ninety five. So we're almost thirty years, right? <laughs> like it's a, it, it's about time they've been talking about it for thirty five years. Go ahead and canonize it, unless of course this legal document is not going. If you're looking to scrap it, then scrap it. But I mean, it's one of those things where I think there's. It's like a, a, a boyfriend that, you know, oh, I'm going to propose to you someday, but I'm not ready yet. So I just want it to be perfect. And yeah. Commit or don't commit. Come on. Man. <laughs> yeah. How about just canonize anything? Forget exactly. <laughs> yeah. Or how about um, the next, next headline? It says that the church leadership changes the name of the Book of Mormon to the New American Testament because we want to get rid of the name Mormon. And that would be a victory for Jesus. So a New American oh. Testament. Instead of the Book of Mormon. How about that? Does that yeah, sound good? I, I like that. I, I like that almost as much as uh, President Nelson would like that. <laughs> <laughs> it does th- I, I do like the sound of that. New American Testament. Yeah, that's a nice New American Testament. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, why not? Or how about the next headline, which is a church donates half of Enzyme Peak to help uh, end world poverty. Forget 32 million. How about 32 billion? Oh, wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, uh, yeah one can dream. <laughs> uh, the next uh, next possible headline, other charitable group donations accepted as tithing. So-called trendy tithing will be acceptable. Yeah, that one, uh, I would like to see that happen. Um, you know, because that's something that, a lot of people can get behind and support because then they can directly see the good that their tithing is going towards. I mean, people work hard for their money. They make these donations because they, they want to be obedient to the commandments or because they're just good people that want to see some good done in the world. Uh, let's respect that. You know, hey, I'm, I'm all for that. Or the final dream headline is no more cleaning chapel toilets. Boy, that would be really something. Oh, my. Uh, well, somebody's got to do it. Because <laughs> otherwise, it's not going to take very long before people aren't going to want to go to the bathroom at church. <laughs> so it's a good thing yeah. they shortened it to two hours. I think you can hold it. <laughs> yeah, this takes us to our Mormon News uh, Roundup question of the week, which is, yeah. what is your dream October, 22, uh, October 2022 General Conference headline? So you can come on over to Anchor, and you can interact with us on the question of the week. We also have a poll of the week there, Al. Mm -hmm. And uh, can you read us the question of the poll? Yeah, question on the poll. How do you feel about the LDS Church's record-setting donation to the World Food Program? That's is it a, number one? Number one, a huge testimony builder. I testify that Bishop K. Todd Budge is a prophet, seer, and revelator. Wait, is he? But yeah, so he's that? the one who he's the one who went over there, right? Uh, yeah, I, K. Todd I, Budge. Oh yeah, and I I love his uh, quote that he had in that article, which we didn't uh, read about. I want to do quote it real quick here. He says, okay. "The the more that we donate." the holier it makes us and the more it benefits wow. us, something like that. I'm like it was something like that. Like, Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I testify that Bishop K Todd Budge is a prophet and a revelator. Wait a minute. Is he actually? Uh, the, the, yeah. the, <laughs> no, he's not actually. No, uh, he's uh, not, not part of the, the Q15. So no, 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 he's not. He's not. Okay. Or is it number two? Number two. I'm a bit concerned actually. What if we can't afford to build a third Provo, Utah temple? Yeah, you know, I know. I mean, money. Yeah. It's, it's only you know. so many billions of dollars to go around. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. Or is it number three? Worried that the Enzyme Peak Second Coming Rainy Day Sacred Not Secret Fund may run low. Yeah, it yeah. could be running low after this donation. You got to yeah, keep, really keep that up there. Yeah, or is it number four? Uh, number four, hopefully the, the people who are fed by this donation's food will quickly join the church to pay it back with interest. Yeah, yeah, I mean, a little bit of interest never hurt anybody. Did exactly, it and that interest is uh, it's uh, going to be continually paying ten percent going forward, right? You betcha. So yeah. if you uh, come on over to Anchor, you can interact with us on this particular poll. You can also, <laughs> if you're on Anchor, you can leave us a voicemail. We're also uh, you can find us on Twitter. We're at News Mormon. Where you can come mm -hmm. over to Patreon. We're on Facebook and we're on YouTube as well. And that's going to take us into our final and feature article of the week. So, uh, yeah. Uh, did you did you watch the first episode oh, of Sins of Our Mother? I don't dare go into the second episode because this thing, I can just tell that this show is flowing so seamlessly, Dvays, that I had to stop myself. I and yet I can't wait to jump on tonight. I, in fact, it won't even be tonight. It's going to be right after we're done with this recording. I'm going to watch it, episode two. It's so good. The Lori Daybell scandal is uh, the theme of this whole thing, and they go into 
what Lori, what Lori Daybell's uh, past was like. You get to see her family, um, her surviving son, which is the oldest uh, in her in, of her kids. Um, Lori Daybell had like four or five husbands. I mean, she she really uh, was a serial uh, monogamous person. Uh, had a lot of husbands. One of which uh, was killed by her uh, her brother. Um, and there's a little bit of suspicion around that. Was you know, was it self defense? Was it not? The brother did call the police to report it afterwards, and uh, he didn't get sent to jail. Uh, but you get to find out a lot of this, and you start to see that Lori Daybell. One of the things you find out right off the bat, they're a very strong LDS family that she comes from. That her parents uh, were they raised them in the church, and uh, they. I uh, went to church every very faithfully every Sunday, and they're, they're just good, L, decent LDS people. But there's a, a lot of uh, delusions of grandiosity uh, or or grandeur grandeur uh, there. There's a lot of uh, uh, what would you say that of narcissism? Good word for it too. So yeah, yeah. did you watch this one, Bbase? Yeah, I mean, it was really, really yeah. gripping. Um, I felt like I actually needed to watch the episode twice because I haven't gotten a chance to watch it the second time because it is quite complicated with all the relationships of the people that were involved. This is a really in-depth uh, uh, documentary. So basically, the friends, family, and experts, they're weighing in on Lori Vallow Daybell's change from a doting, uh, from uh, you know, a great LDS Mormon, very faithful mother to a uh, apocalyptic, uh, you know, a, a crazy ap- apocalyptic person. Yeah, just that transformation is really quite shocking. Yeah, and the way that she talks about herself, like they, they have a lot of recordings from different uh, phone calls or voicemails or or uh, even uh, her own uh, podcast. She was a podcaster that uh, had what's it, the Fire Within, I think, was her podcast, and uh, they, mm-hmm. yeah, they got the they got kind of out there with their ideas about all oh, what it means to be one of the few chosen here in the latter days. I mean, she was very, uh, very true believing Mormon, true blue through and through, uh, you know, she followed the standards and, you know, uh, but she also really loved fame and fortune. Um, they go into, you know, she was a beauty, uh, pageant contestant. She was a contestant on the wheel of fortune, loved, uh, being in the spotlight, loved being, uh, the center of attention. And, uh, yeah, so it's a you know her personality just kind of it starts to go a little haywire where where she starts talking about things uh, about the end of times and and whatnot and her one brother uh, well, let's see is it, there's two brothers and they have to, uh, both have a Alex. names yeah Alex, Alex and was the other one Adam I I don't remember I, I think can't, so. Adam or Andy I can't remember but he he was uh, level headed was the other one Alex is the one that. He got involved with like, hey, let's read some of this stuff from you know doomsday preppers and all that end of times apocalyptic stuff. Yeah, um, then she starts buying into it a little too heavily, and she starts talking about, oh, I've I've have been ministered to by angels. I've been ministered to by the angel Moroni himself. He gets around, Al. Without I, I gotta say, I mean, this is something where. Uh, here's, here's a point that, uh, my wife and I were talking about this. If the angel Moroni is not a real being, doesn't that kind of just pull the rug out from all of it? You know, her whole thing. <laughs> Cause 
I mean, that's what she's saying. It's she's based on a lot of, you, you listen to all this as a whole. And if it, one of these things doesn't fit into place, then she's a nut. She's a kook and she uh, is a dangerous person. Yeah, I mean, she started off as being a devoted mother, uh, even though she was on her third marriage to uh, Charles Vallo. She started becoming very receptive to the crazy, somewhat crazy apocalyptic end times prepper teachings of Chad Daybill, who was based out of Idaho, who basically he his idea was that there's only going to be 144,000 of Jesus's most beloved followers. And he's the one who's going to know who those 144,000 followers are if you follow him and his teachings. Yeah, Chad Daybell, he, he's an interesting character in this whole thing, because and anybody that's gone to church knows that one guy in uh, the elders quorum that sits off to the side and has some kind of out there ideas that he keeps bringing up and talking about. And everybody's like, and doesn't really know what to say after his comment. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thanks brother Daybell. Now back to the lesson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's a, he's one of those guys that, you know, you, he just honestly, he looks a little off when you when you're looking at him. Oh yeah, and you know he's been a faithful LDS guy, and a real sad story about his uh, his wife. And they talked about how his uh, first wife, they uh, he'd started dating her right after his mission, and um, you know they they're like, ah, I think that she's the very first person he ever dated, really. And they got engaged, got married, had a family together, and. Uh, before he marries Lori, all of a sudden his wife disappears, and they're like, "Oh, he, she left him." Um, oh, did she? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. following the following this family's family tree for me is uh, really difficult because there's so many marriages and so many people involved. But basically, one of Lori's brothers uh, named Alex, he eventually ends up shooting Lori's third husband Charles to death because yeah. uh, basically. Uh, uh, you know, she she thinks that he's that Charles is actually dead inside, and that the body yeah. that he inhabits is actually being run by a demon. Yeah, and she calls him by a different name, I, like the his like Rick Schneider or Ned. something like that. It's weird. Yeah, Ned, I think it was Ned Schneider. Ned Schneider, that's yeah. the one. Yeah, that's what it was, and it was weird. Yeah. Like I, she starts calling him by a different name, and. He's he calls the police. In fact, you got the the police uh, footage there uh, from their body cam, and they're like, "So what's going on?" He's like, "My wife is losing her mind." And I'm sorry, I don't know uh, how else to say it, but she thinks that I'm not me. She calls me by a different name, says that you know I'm a demon and all this, and he's like, "I, I just I'm very concerned for." Her. And here, here's the really creepy part about Adibes is that she goes to they he orders a, a psyche vow, she passes the psyche vow. Yeah. So, so he Charles yeah. Charles reports that she is mentally unstable and threatening his life. Therefore, the police come and intervene, saying, "Hey, you need to get psyche evaluation." And she's able to get through all of it with no problem. Exactly. So she she knows how to turn it on and turn it off. And that's really creepy to me is the fact that she's like, okay, you know, and that's something from like beauty pageant days and, you know, being in the spotlight is, you know, how to behave when other people are around. But then when you hear behind closed doors then the crazy comes out and, you know, she gets a little too much time by herself and things get weird. Yeah. 
Uh, I am definitely giving this a thumbs up. I feel like I needed to watch it twice. Maybe in the first episode, they might have tried to pack too much into this first episode. That's my only uh, criticism of the episode. Yeah, and, you know, this could have been maybe even uh, split up into multiple episodes beyond this. But, I mean, it's loaded. I, and it's a great show, uh, well-made. It's, uh, it's a lot easier to follow than some other of these uh, true crime uh, documentaries I've seen or exposés. But uh, yeah, this is uh, yeah, this is a good one. So yeah, we're gonna uh, watch, we're gonna review the uh, second episode there uh, for our next week, right, Al? Absolutely, because uh, this one, I mean, this one's <laughs> I don't even know what to compare it to. Dives, this one is such a good, well-made one. It's like you know, Under the Banner of Heaven was that was an interesting one. That uh, but it, like this one, uh, I would put this one above the uh, Mormon No More uh, personally. I think that this one's uh, a true crime story that everybody can appreciate and uh, at least be entertained by. And it's not so Mormony Mormon that you, I don't know if you know what I mean by that, but there's not so much Mormon lingo that I don't think that someone who's never been LDS could understand it. It seems like they, they kind of dial it down enough that you can understand what's being said. So anything else on this one? No, no, no. I'm looking forward to episode two. Uh, thanks so much for uh, joining us this week. Yep. Thank you all very much. Uh, we want to give a shout out to Weird Alma for his, this episode's music. Thanks so much for ruminating with us on the great and spacious beehive. And remember, remember, no unhallowed hand can stop this podcast from progressing. We'll see you all next week. When it comes to nicknames of the church, such as LDS Church, the Mormon Church, to remove the Lord's name from the Lord's Church is a major victory for Satan. 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 Please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a being with no moral constraints. My number one goal is to hurt the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints.